Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. and then a biophysicist. His first foray into parapsychology, or more accurately, paraphysics. This man has done his homework, and he is a veteran of the program. And of course, on the second half of the program, we do have the infamous Star Mountain. Join us live. Don't miss that. It should be pretty interesting, I promise. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here we are again on a night like this. And here I am, 
vaguely lovable. You too can get involved. Your phone calls are always welcome. That number is 760-332-8724. One more time, 760-332-8724. Don't forget, if you enjoy the show and want extra bonus content, please direct yourself to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. Now let's get down to brass tacks and bring in our first guest, who I believe is patiently waiting. Rick, are you out there? Yes, I am. My goodness, how are you? I'm going bald. You're going I'm bald. causes. I pulled it up. Nice. Well, that happens, my friend. <laughs> it's getting to be an old man. All my hair is falling out, and I'm growing new hair where I don't want it. <laughs> I like that. And yes, you know, as I'm getting older myself, I'm starting to get that hair coming out of my ear now. Yeah, isn't that a bitch? I don't I like that no shit. <laughs> yeah, it's so annoying. I don't, I don't like it. I always shave it off. There's a... Uh... How did the Indians do it? They plucked it out. <laughs> I know. They did it the right way. Well, that's because when you pluck hair, it won't regrow. That's what happens with eyebrows. Right. Now, Rick, I want to welcome you back to the program. I've been looking forward to our discussion. These episodes with you are always quite thrilling. Well, we could add some drama to it and make it really creepy. Well, that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah. No, okay, good. Where would you like to go tonight? Well, all over the place. There's so many things I want to jump into here with you. Of course, there's the alleged underground base in Antarctica that we can get into, as well as 5G. But more recently, I did want to bring up the whole fires in California and all the earthquakes that we've been having out here quickly yeah. here. Yellowstone, yeah. The, the problem, yes, uh, Yellowstone is about to go. I, I don't know when. Um, my bunker has infrared, but my, and last year, my bunker was able, while I was up in Canada, I went to Vancouver Island, did some workshops. I, um, we saw lava strikes in the Northern Territories above BC, and then one strike down in the Trinity Alps. And my buddy has a bunker in Ohio, has tomography. And uh, he said that they can now see the lava from Yellowstone as far as Ohio underground. Now, that means there's going to be a short warning, and then it's going to happen. And that's how quickly it'll happen. And it could be tomorrow, and most likely sometime this next early year. And when it goes, um, we're talking about a number of states being physically involved. And uh, to what extent, nobody knows, uh, you know. Uh, with the best sciences, we're still, we don't even have a clue. And so, but we know that it will happen. It has happened before. And the movie, 2010, what was that movie uh, where he said, bring it on? Carl, uh, Woody Harrelson said, bring it on. And uh, and it did. Uh, 2012, that's right. That movie, 2012, when everybody thought it was all going to happen. Uh, we're close. And to how close? I don't know. The winner. The winner here in Oregon is creepy. It's been very dry and now we're going to get snowed in tomorrow. Very interesting. 20, yeah, 28 degrees in Grants Pass yeah, this morning. Um, I, Michigan and Minnesota have snow. They've been underground. Chicago is the worst winter to date in their recorded history. And Jet Propulsion Laboratory has said because of the solar minimum, uh, most likely this will be the worst 
winter in recorded history in North America. And but by, by 2024, there will be parts of Canada that will be uninhabitable. In other words, it isn't going to be boom, like in the movie Day After Tomorrow. But we are, according to the Hopi, we are going to have uh, an event where most of us are going to need 10 feet of soil between us and the sun for a minimum of 12 hours. Uh, when that burp occurs, I don't know. The Midwest is now observing lesser insects on the ground, like cow pies and the flies that would attract um, ants. That's a good place to start is with your insects because they're more susceptible to the CBDs and the CBCs that are coming off the sun right now. Now, is it global warming or global cooling? And the correct answer is yes. It's neither. It isn't like that. It has to do with cycles and wobble of the earth. And that was what the Hopi were always doing was the ritual of the wobble egg to hold the earth stable so it didn't flip on its axis like NASA shows. So uh, when it's going to happen, the best minds don't even know. I've got my bunker ready. Uh, but I can tell you that if you have your water together, you have already become the 50% that survive whatever, including a pandemic. Very true. Very true. Oh, I'm hearing, oh, my, I'm hearing myself echo myself. now. That's not always I didn't catch half of that. What, was, what, what did you say? Oh, I echoed oh, there a little bit. A hiccup. Yeah, there was a bit of a ghost in the machine there. I don't there. mean to be a doom and gloomer. In fact, basically, there will be blood. I have to no idea how extensive this event will be, but it will include a grid down. You can count on that. And the problem I'm having with that concept is that it takes a full year to power down a nuclear power plant. And there are 21 Daiichi-like nuclear power plants on the New Madrid fault line in the Midwest, and they're all leaking. Yeah, I'm and glad if you there's no warning, uh, we're going to have, just like in the comic books, a region of, of North America that's uninhabitable. Now, I don't understand why they don't just simply realize nuclear energy is not working. I remember when they first developed a nuclear power plant and said, we don't have a way to get rid of the nuclear waste, but our technology will afford one by the time we need it. And I am now saying, yeah, right. Yeah. That is not, you know, Southern Oregon or, you know, Nevada. And uh, right now, Hanford is leaking into the Columbia River. And that's what's giving you all that weird reading. It's not Fukushima. By the way, Fukushima is... Uh, <laughs> It's gone from worse to I don't even know when it, you know, you'll notice nobody's talking about it. Yeah, you, you were talking about the 104 nuclear reactors in the U.S., and that is quite accurate and quite, that's a pretty disastrous if you even think about it, why we have so many around the U.S. And, of course, if a terrorist gets their hands on that sort of thing, it's bad news for us. It could be another Chernobyl I heard that that was all Dolyard. I, I I heard about that a nuclear uh, false flag on Paris would cause the banking system to crash in Central Europe. And yes, there is a high likelihood something like that will be attempted or perpetrated. Yes, what as far as a nuclear weapon going off in Paris, I don't know about that part. But I do know 
there will be a false flag in in Europe of on a 9-11 basis, just like they did here. Now, there's a war going on, and I can't even tell you who the players are, because it used to be that the Democratic and Republican parties were basically uh, wanting the same thing for Americans. They just wanted to do it differently. And that is all changed now, where what we have today are globalists and nationalists. And Putin, for all of his criminal, KGB, whatever, has done more for Mother Russia because he's a nationalist than any of their leaders in their world history. And so I don't have the answers, but I can tell you that China's crazy. They're trying to maintain a kind of... um, martial law, and yet the citizens revolt. And I don't even want to talk about Hong Kong. That is a tragedy beyond anything. It's like when 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 they first became communists and people were throwing themselves in front of tanks and tanks were driving right over them. Right. It's just uh, that's in my period, period, back in the 50s and the 60s. So communism and capitalism, neither work. By the way, and, brother, Richard, you, you, know, that's, you do you mind if I call you on the other line? Sure. Yeah. You're having trouble? No problem. Yeah, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting I'm too gonna, much. I'm going to disengage and I'll let you call me. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. And uh, there goes Dr. Richard Allen Miller, Miller. Ladies and gentlemen, we are having some um, weird technical issues here. I guess the first, what was it? Got a text message here telling me that no one heard the first 18 minutes. Is that true? Looking in the chat room, did you guys miss the first few minutes of that? Waiting and reading here in the chat room, did anyone catch that? Kind of odd. That's never really happened before here. And yes, I do apologize for the technical glitches here on the program. And that happens every now and then, folks. You can never be too prepared for that sort of thing. And now I'm looking for Dr. Richard Allen's um, phone number. It's somewhere here on my phone. Yep, there it is. Let's see. There we go. Don't worry. I'm calling him. Now, if only I could play the elevator music right now, that would that would help. Ring, ring, ring. Hopefully he answers, folks. There we go. Now it's ringing. And hopefully he answers the call. And uh, Richard, how are you? I'm good. You You have to do a telephone, not Skype tonight. Yeah, Skype is just not. I know Microsoft has really messed them up. When I went to use, I don't use Skype except for radio, and I uh, was going to do one two days ago, and it took me an hour and a half with updates, upgrades, and additions because I hadn't turned it on, and I missed my call because I couldn't use it. Uh, Microsoft, welcome to everything is broken. They really screwed it up this time, Richard. Well, they, <laughs> imagine that, you know, everything's going to, and it's going to get more like this because of the um, Google and Apple fighting the dark web, the dark web fighting the, I don't know, aliens, the aliens fighting the, you know, it, it's crazy. Watch what happens with our technology in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, technology will fail, as you know, for sure. It's weak, and the problem is there is no infrastructure to support it, which means that the Gen Xs and the Millennials are in deep shit. And that's <laughs> that. I, I'm afraid you are absolutely correct on that assessment, my friend. 
And so I, I don't have an author, I answer because most people don't even read books anymore. You know, no, of I mean, course they, not. <laughs> well, yeah, see what happens when it grid down and you can't get to your uh, Bitcoin. <laughs> Bitcoin, right. You know, Rick, the last time we talked here on the program, you talked about the High Times magazine that you were featured in. The listeners always love me bringing that up. They always ask about it. And of course, we went. High over, Times. Yeah, high times, yeah. right. Going part on the moon. Yeah. Right. And of course, we also went over some of your early upbringing. And I thought that's where we could start off yet again. For those who didn't catch you on here the first couple of times, let's go back in time really quickly here, Rick. Uh, How far back? Real far back. What was one of your earliest memories with, say, mom and dad? Um, When I was four years old and ran in to save my mother from my real father and he broke my neck. Holy hell, you never told me that story. <laughs> <laughs> I was raised by uh, my stepfather, um, and uh, I'm blessed. I had a good stepfather. My father, uh, I never knew him. He fought with my mother. My mother uh, had a spy network called Vesta Cutting and Associates uh, out of Seattle that was industrial espionage. And she was Indochina Theater for Kodak running that operation back in the 40s. And that's why I grew up in the Philippines and uh, went to Buddhist missionary schools when I was four. Uh, because I was Caucasian, I had to learn how to fight on the streets of the Philippines because I was, I was white. And uh, I also in good respect, learned how to play chess on the streets in the Philippines also. Old men would have chess boards out, and uh, as on my way to Buddhist missionary school or something, I would learn how to play chess. Sounds pretty now, normal with there. with that picture, <laughs> imagine Filipinos six to one on top of me. Yeah. And so with SEAL Team 1, I was one time in a dark in a room, and I said, everybody in a good position? And I said, good. And I flipped off the lights, and I said, last man down. And when the last man came to find me, I was on my back because I can fight better when I'm on the ground than I can standing. And when I was on the ground, <laughs> and then I said, when I turned the lights back on, I said, what did you guys all learn? You say the unexpected is always the winning hand. It's not strength. It's not superiority. It's persistence over the unrewarded genius. Coming up with the unexpected, for example, a weapon. What would be a simple weapon in your hand that would be unrecognizable as a weapon? How about a water pistol filled with ammonia? Ah, yes. <laughs> that, <that'll laughs> you could have holy water and get rid of vampires, but, but ammonia will stop a rabid dog <laughs> in its tracks. Squirt, squirt, squirt. Um, that was something my stepfather taught me. I, I was 10 years old. And uh, I lived on in, out in the woods on Military Road in Seattle, South End, boy. And uh, I was coming down this long, steep hill, and there was this dog every day after school that would chase my bicycles that liked to chase the bike. And one day I came home with my bike broken and bloody because I the dog had knocked me over. And so my father said, here, carry this with you. And I, I squirted it once in that dog's face. And believe it or not, that dog never chased the bicycle again, ever. Well, that's how it usually goes. Usually does. <laughs> that's why pain is important. It is a lesson in what not to do as a metaphor. And so without pain, there wouldn't be life. What you want to do 
is learn how to cope right. where it's below a certain level or threshold of awareness so you can deal with it. If you didn't have pain, you wouldn't be alive because according to the old appendicides, you're on fire. Life is pain. You're burning Rick. up with neurotransmitters. That's why a man on fire is a man to be dealt with because he's enlightened. <laughs> See, the light follows the fire. It's all metaphor terms of conceptuals and the way we see something in our mind's eye. It's uniquely distinct with humans because we measure everything in space and time. Neither are real. All of physics starts with assumed truths. Doesn't have the answers any more than religion does. And that's why we have two brains, science and religion, if you want to look at it that way, right and left hemisphere. And what you have is Malcolm in the middle. And right now, Malcolm is more likely Malcoma. You have no clue. And so you presume. For example, if I were to say, what's the color of that fence over there? And you'd look over and say, ah, oh, it's brown. What you've done is made an assumption because you can't see the other side of the fence. You have presumed. And that is what physics does. Shortest distance between two points. If you suggested that space is curved, and then we have models now where, you know, tunneling, event horizons, precursor waves, and solid state physics. If you do that, space is curved. You can, with very simple tensor math, prove the Earth's flat. Now, is it flat or round? And the correct answer is yes. Because space isn't real, it's a concept. If you choose to look at it as flat, these are the realities that are available to you. And if you choose to look at it around, now these are the realities you can look at it. Which one's real? Amazing. And Rick, I'm going to ask you, did you have any sort of religious upbringing? Well, I was raised Shaolin, northern Shaolin. I came to the United States. I didn't even speak English. I was Palau, Tagalog, and Mandarin one. And um, by fourth grade, finally, a teacher kept me after school and taught me how to read. In fifth grade, I read every science fiction book in the public library. In sixth grade, I <laughs> off I went like, oh, no, what have we unleashed? <laughs> you know, it was really weird. In third grade, I had a report card that said, uh, Ricky is very disruptive. He asks too many questions. Yeah, that sounds like, that sounds, that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, well, they, once they figured out what I was, they wanted to give me lithium. <laughs> Holy hell. My own meds. And, and my mother wouldn't let him do that. And then, oh, this kid is gifted. Let's move him forward. And mom wouldn't let them do that to me either. Was there something? Thank you, mother. I'm normal. Rick, was I'm there? A, I'm a functioning savant. Right. I drool and hum a lot, especially <laughs> when I'm eating. <laughs> Rick, by the Why? way, what was your mom, was she a bit of a psychic? Mom and grandma were famous uh, psychics that worked for the Seattle Police Department. They did a whole TV series around mom and my grandma called One Step Beyond. And it was different stories about different psychic events, but really all of them were about my mom and my grandma. And um, grandma was the woman that got the Birdman of Alcatraz out of Alcatraz. She did German roller canary songbirds. And so I grew up uh, in aviary situation where I was doing two or three hundred bird cages a day and flight cages for my grandma. I see. And uh, Seattle. <laughs> Seattle, yes. Back in the 50s, there it was.
So all of this to them when you were growing up and you had people like NASA who took interest into some of your work at an early age, what did they think of this? Did they think it was probably whatever? I it's think normal. there were a group of us because I, I wasn't treated very special. I didn't have straight A's. There were kids that had better grades than me, but I also excelled in four sports in high school. I lettered in four sports. I went to state in two of them, and one I broke a state record and didn't even place. <laughs> there were six of us that came across the line on low hurdles. I'd do a 100-yard hundred, hundred dash, 10 flat, and I could do 10 flat over hurdles. And the world record at that time was 9.8. And by the way, that kid was black, and he went to my high school in Seattle. He was the fastest kid in the world. 9.8, 10 flat is what we were doing. And I would, could do that over hurdles. I was real strong and uh, uh, moderately built so I could do almost anything. You know, I wasn't tall. I wasn't heavy. I was this. I wasn't that. I was median, so I had options. I didn't play basketball, but I could definitely wrestle. I could definitely box. I could definitely play football, baseball, track. I threw the discus. I threw the shot put in discus and did low and high hurdles. Those were my four in, uh, and the 220. Yeah, you're a pretty big guy, actually, Rick. I was, uh, back then I was 178. And, uh, I boxed, in, I wrestled in the 164 category. Rick, I thought you were bigger than that. I was, I was later as I got older and solider, but in high school. Oh, in high school, okay. Yeah, not right now. I'm two oh nine, and uh, I'm on weight. Maybe I could lose five or six pounds, and I could surprise anyone on how fast I move. That's I played tennis in college. I was good enough that Arthur Ashe was my doubles partner for a period. Very nice. For when we played Davis Cup. Yeah, I was that good. And uh, if I could get to the net, mm -hmm. I could eat your brains. <laughs> <laughs> I played for the Marion Cricket Club, the DuPont Country Club, and the Wilmington Country Club as a carte blanche because of my tennis skills. Gretchen Vosters was my doubles partner. She was one of the DuPonts that uh, I took into Davis Cup with me. But I ended up playing with Arthur Ashe. It seems like you were very outgoing and very active. As a high schooler. Yeah, I did everything. Right. I wasn't one thing. I wasn't like a nerd that played the violin. I could do anything I wanted. And so what I would do is get to a quality where I was second best and then get bored and do something else. I didn't have to be number one. In fact, I never was number one in anything, including the science fairs when I won nationals. I went to the National Science Fair, and I came in second. Robert Strom of New York beat me with a computer called Univac, high school kid. <laughs> so there it was. Back then, I was doing a linear accelerator. He had a computer. Back then, computers were more impressive. Relay, you know. Difference machines, that kind of thing. Right. And Rick, how would you define what truth is? I would refer to Castaneda and De Nagual is the unspeakable. Reality is that which cannot be known. You can experience it, 
but you can't know it like the fence. You can't see all sides at one time. You're not God. You're limited. And as such, truth becomes limited conceptually. Rick, now what does it mean for something to exist? And what does it mean for us to know that something exists? Oh, you're talking about um, uh, agreement, like we both agree we're hallucinating on the same thing at the same moment. Right. Yeah, consensus. Well, consensus reality has, like a thought form, more energy to it. Kumbaya. But to focus that into psyche into matter is quite another matter. And that's where um, today uh, we have a model now on how you can take microdoses of psychedelics and somehow do paranormal phenomena with it. You know, we talked about ESP or thinking with the gut and how you, in conscious state, your statistical inference, but in a hypnotic state over here, your, can, your ability in guessing is 400 times that were you were in conscious state. Well, what today physics is suggesting is that the laws of physics change with altered states of consciousness. And as such, there will never be a toe or theory of everything. And that means that imagination is reality. And it reminds me of that Indiana Jones movie where she comes up on stage and sings, anything goes. Right. And we'll get into altered states as we progress in this conversation. However, I did want to ask you, going back to religion, I wanted to bring up faith to you. And what is your opinion on faith? Those are concepts that have been given down through history in the Bibles. They're full faith, hope, and love. The problem is what faith is and what it is not is has to do with belief systems and your choice of choosing to look at it this way over that way. Like, is it flat or is it round? Now, faith is a tool that helps bring about your desired mind's eye. And the mind's eye is where it all happens. Once you can see it in your mind's eye, faith, hope, and love, these were, remember, considered gifts from the gods. And they weren't really gifts. Hope is to put your belief or faith in something that you have no control. Correct. And for me, I would rather work from divine right. And, you know, my God, I'm not like Conan, where Chrome is uh, an independent, uninterested, and unparticipating entity. But what I conceive of as God is actually, in fact, only halfway to real God. That's why truth, like truth, you can't know it. You can experience it. But you can't know it. And that's pure Castaneda. You know, the Nagual was the unspeakable, and Tonal is illusion. Anything that is known is an illusion. And there's only one place in Hermetic Kabbalism or on the Tree of Life where that's not true. And that's the missing Sephiroth above Christ consciousness 
on path 13 in the center of the Sea of Karanzan, or chaos. There's a path that goes right through that, that connects the two paths to God on the outer part of the tree. That is the hermit and the lovers. You either do it androgynously, or you have a reflected mate in the external world that you use as a dialogue. And the path that connects them in that triangle going right through the middle of Doth is humor. I always find it, <laughs> yes, sir. I always find it interesting what people choose to believe in, why some people. It's arbitrary. That's the other part of it. That's one of the first mm-hmm. things I trained Navy SEALs. If they had been raised in Afghanistan, they would not have been Christian. Of course not. Yeah. You're right about their that. faith in Muhammad or whatever is quite strong. Right. And who's right? Good point, by the way. Everything would be diametrically different than well, life today. Well, the problem is, see, my daughter, having been raised a Christian, um, worked in absolutes. Uh, Daddy, I love this. And Daddy, I hate that. And I used to prefer preferences where I bet I could find something you hate even more. <laughs> yes. Well, that's a way or choice of the way you approach something. The yin within the yang is a more Eastern concept than, you know, a relationship of one thing to another rather than absolutes of the devil and God. Do you believe now, in... Uh, the, the devil did not exist devil. before Christianity. There were demons, but not devils. Yeah, I... And, and pre-Christian worship, um, that's what made the Yazidi so interesting yeah, up in the northern part of Iraq. They were a pre-Christian devil-worshipping cult, and that's where we found the artifact, the, the Stargate. And so, you know, that is uh, a part of realizing that demons were these little creatures running in and out of this door. In the, It talks about it in the Yazidis. That was Joseph Isaiah, 1919, out of the Vatican. He wrote a book called Devil Worship or the Sacred Tradition of the Yazidi. And it was about a pre-Christian devil-worshipping cult in the northern part of Iraq and is the primary reason the first Bush invaded Iraq looking for that artifact. They didn't find it because they didn't have demography. And it wasn't until the second Bush went in and found it. And that's when he got on board that ship right after the first invasion. And he's got all his medals on. And on. we found it. It's ours. The war's over. Of course, they continued the war because it was good for business. But the artifact had been discovered. The problem is... There's a second artifact, just like in the movie. And that's basically, nobody knows where it is yet. Some have suggested Antarctica. Uh, I don't think so. I think what Antarctica was about is something was, they found something down in stasis. And then it woke up. Um, I think that's what happened there. I think that the second artifact, Stargate, whatever they want to call it, it probably is in the Indian Ocean somewhere. I don't know. We'll have to um, jump into that in a moment here, but I have to ask you, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe he existed? He's, uh, oh, yes. Emmanuel, yes, of course. Uh, There's documents. I mean, he went to India. They studied like I have, you have. Uh, You know, actually, he was a seeker, just like anybody else. Was he uniquely different than anybody else, like Muhammad or Buddha? I don't know. I have chosen... 
to see him as human, but there are some papers that would suggest he was not human. He was uh, an alien or a son of God. I can tell you there are in the Nagamati and papers that would be more uh, credible than Jesus said it. I believe it. And that's that bang. Uh, that place. I like that voice. Uh, there are. <laughs> There are documents that would suggest, there's one document that suggested that they wouldn't put the king of Jerusalem on a cross and they put his brother Simon on it. And then the second document indicated that they also got him a knockout thing to simulate death. So they got him off the cross early. Now, is did Jesus rise from the dead? I don't know. I wasn't there. Did Emmanuel do that? Or... Lazarus or Gabriel or, you know, I don't know. Yeah, we don't know. Well, then if you don't know, why would you choose? Well, uh, that's valid. And it's the part of religion that's like science. And that's why you have two brains. Uh, and why you're trying to measure the difference between one and another. Religion is primarily a part of where you go to reinforce a particular belief you want to reinforce in yourself. And so it's fellowship. And that's what you're doing is trying to find people with similar like belief systems that will help you become stronger in your own belief. However, beliefs are valid uh, and arbitrary, which means they are a tool, not an absolute. And that's the distinction again between the West and the East dealing with preferences over absolute. Now, Rick, let me bring this up uh, to your attention here. What? Oh, do I believe in Jesus Christ? I don't know. Was he inspired? I'm inspired. Amazing. I can tell you he died as a martyr which is, from a psychological point of view, a lot lower level of personal achievement than uh, Gandhi or others that survive. And Rick, Not what would you on the cross? And Rick, and what that's would you why say? We have Saturn return and you know all of this habaru about you're either <laughs> going to die on the cross or you're going to change your lifestyle by age thirty-two. Yeah, <laughs> Saturn well, return, you know that kind of thing. Well, those who go to jail often will go, yeah, <laughs> go back to it that. It all happens on drama. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. yeah, and that's where the psychology or psychological aspect of all of this does come to come into play, but. Rick, I did want to ask you this about Jesus. What would you say to, let's say, an author like Joseph Atwill? He's someone who's been kind of prolific with his studies and his claims that Jesus never existed and was a mere creation from first century Romans. Yeah. Um, what would you say he, about that? Someone existed. There was something going on there. And uh, there were too many different documents in the Dead Sea Scrolls to confirm it. And while... Most of them are third and fourth century. You know, um, there are first century. And I have to presume wherever there's smoke, there's fire. So I'm certain Understood. something happened. You know, Emmanuel, whatever. I do know there's a 
lot of who on bloodlines. Right. And typo negative. And the idea of Mary Magdalene and the Cathars. And when Pope Innocent I declared war on the Cathars and the teachings of, of Christ and the Catholic Church diverged from each other and went in opposite directions. That was in the year 1000. And you can read more depth on that on Holy Blood, Holy Grail, which is written by two Nobel Prize winning anthropologists from Princeton and a BBC writer from England. And that Holy Blood, Holy Grail outlines the wars and what happened during that period. Um, I am uh, Nelson Line uh, and uh, have lineage in those, and I have O negative blood. Uh, what does it mean? I have no idea. Do I feel different? Uh, no, I don't. But that's because I was also not treated as gifted in the early years I was allowed to develop naturally in public schools. And so rather than being an idiot savant that drools and, and moans and <laughs> right. does all kinds of weird noises, I drool a little bit when I talk. <laughs> well, I think we all do to a certain degree. And yeah, now I'm 76 <laughs> years old. What do you want to know? You know, I, 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 I have a lot of answers for myself. I can tell you that from my own personal observation, there are as probably as many religions as there are human beings. And what you choose as the star you wish to follow or moral codes of ethics, the rules of conduct, remember what Ducky Mallard said when he was asked, what is the difference between an ethical man and a moral man? And an ethical man knows not to cheat on his wife. Right. A moral man won't. And Rick. Walking your talk is the bottom line. And that's where getting closer to God occurs. Right. Not what you do, but how you do it. That is what is called spirituality. Your purpose over intent. Intent has to do with what actually happens at the end of the day because we come from a place of wounding. But to realize that those wounds are blessings that make me uniquely distinct from you, now I have a tool. And Mephistopheles and Faust wrote about how to control those demons. Demons in the early centuries were considered qualities in man deemed unworthy, like jealousy, rage, anger, sloth, you know, those kinds of things. And they named 72 of them. And guess what? When you conjure up a demon, what you're doing is a projection of the shadow. And what a perfect energy to use, like anger, to wash a kitchen floor. When you can containerize that demon, now that is a place of magic where you are taking qualities within yourself that were deemed unworthy and somehow using them as tools to accomplish the greater good. Oh, and then you're supposed to mention right behind me, the greater good. <laughs> the great, for the greater good. I loved Hot Fuzz, man. That was a great movie. It really was. And, yeah. of course, I the have greater the greater good. The greater yeah. good. Yeah, that, that is actually. The greater good. That is a pretty yeah. good movie. I, uh, it's been a while since I've seen that one, but yes. I'm uh, just messing with you. What I'm doing is I'm creating images in your mind's eye that you are and that 
is where it all occurs. And once you have that, that is what makes it real. And Rick, I definitely have to ask you this one. You believe in God then? Oh, yeah. 100%. My parents were atheists. They did not. And I was raised that when I came into high school, the first thing they did is they put me in Missouri Synod Catechism to armor me up against the missionary bullshit that happened in high school. And uh, they, you know, ministers that try to browbeat you into believing something. Sure. And I, I just wouldn't go there. Because I don't blame you. I was blessed in that I was dialoguing with my inner self right in the crib. I knew how I, at any given moment, I know exactly how I feel about something. It changes. And I have made large changes in my personality. But um, I, when I came out of graduate school, the reason I am a, an occult scholar was to armor myself against all the weird lodges that came at me. Sure. Well, but before we get into that, I just want to ask you, Rick, what would be your burden of proof of a God in your mind? Well, Orca, for example, uh, has a cerebral cortex that's literally twice the size of man's cerebral cortex, and that mammal is firing 60% of it. Now, from that point of view, just in brain power, that mammal is going places man will never, ever be able to go or even know. God is that which cannot be known. You can experience him, but it's not possible to know him. And to say so is illusionary because your brain isn't. I mean, there are forces taken on this planet that have bigger brain cases. And I've watched elephant in uh, the Cambodia paint itself, demonstrating a self-awareness beyond that of any human I've ever met. Young chim so young animals have, that too. have souls, absolutely, and like a dog. There is a movie, a Christian movie, that's out called It's a Dog's Life. And it shows this one dog in six different reincarnations, where it reincarnates as a different dog, same personality, same awareness, but it's now with a different family and how it relates to the family. It's a very warm, touching story called It's a Dog's Life. But it also demonstrates that physical reality is a dream state. There are actual uh, states coming in and out of dreaming that have more content to reality than consciousness does. And physics is just one of two things going on with two brains. And what you're trying to do is find some sort of center between the two in the moment because time isn't real. It isn't real. There's no future or past. It's the moment. And when you deal with it from that point of view, what is future and past timelines? What do they mean? And there's all kinds of psychological examples. You go back <laughs> to an old diary entry you made 10 years ago about something, and it puts the brain back into that hologram state of when that memory occurred. And that's time travel. And when you have something that appears in front of you as more important than any other thing that I've said, that's how a future timeline is talking to your moment. And if you start to pay attention to that, watch what happens next. You go into what we call the flow, 
and everything is working correctly, four by four, and you're not in conflict with anything. And this is why an AI can predict what you're going to do 28 minutes before you know what you're going to do because you're coming from a place of wounding. But when you come from a place of purpose, why you actually chose to be here in this movie at this moment, you are, in fact, not in conflict with anything. And there's no way the AI can even see you. And by the way, Rick, when you were bringing up animals and their brain capacities, you are right about that. There's chimpanzees and elephants and dolphins. And of course, that brings me to uh, more very interesting characters. Let's Bird, not forget well, the birds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, that you come across a whole wide mix of characters throughout your journey. You cross paths with Timothy Leary, I still use his old saying in my intro to show my respect. And I'm curious what he was like as a person and what your Tim relationship was, was like different when he came out of Vacaville. They did something to him. He was not the same person that I met from Harvard in the early 60s. When he got out of Vacaville, uh, when they released him from prison, they had done something to him. He went on tour with Richard Albert and some others, you know, and he did his thing, but he wasn't the same. Um, back then, being an icon, like I'm becoming even, it, it, it's not what you think it's like. It's not like that. It, you're not aware because you're not looking at that. What you are is in the moment. Right. And when you're in the moment, that's it, it becomes apparent to everybody. And there is, in the Nagamati, uh, Mishra, excuse me, in the Mishra, there is a, a place where they say there will be 50 living Christs on earth at any given moment, and only two of them are from men. That means the other 48 are doing something for in God's work that man doesn't even call into it, like some monk in a in, in a cave in the Himalayas floating or levitating or whatever. I you know I have I went on to seek a true master, a fifth lane mystic. There are fourth planes. I used to smoke pot with Pierre Valiat Khan up and on Shy Island in, the, in the uh, you know the San Juans. And so I got to know <clears throat> saints like Yogi Bhajan and others like that. But but when I met Sharon Singh, I'm a satsangi. I'm uh, initiated to Sharon Singh um, I, um, uh, in 1977, and I have been meditating uh, almost two hours every day since that moment that I met him. It's a householder yoga. It's not about religion. Or when you were out there, like yeah. By the way, Rick, when you were out there lighting up. Were you guys lighting up more of like land race sort of strains? I'm not sure what you're saying. What? I, 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 oh, I was just talking about the quality of the sacrificial herb that was being lit up there. I'm I'm wondering what the quality oh, you mean of it marijuana? was. Yeah. Oh, pot. Yeah. Well, my first job out of grad school when I came out of Delaware, um, went back to Seattle, worked for Boeing. Um, they had me at Lunar Base Alpha 1 under Art Pilgrim. Right. That was later, it was called the Space Center, but at that time it was in South Park. They actually had more PhDs in one center than even DuPont did back in Wilmington Experimental Station. Uh, it was a BSRL, Boeing Scientific Research Laboratories, and they set up New Galilee Gardens. It was a hydroponic system, and we made it into clean room standards, Art Pilgrim, I was dating his daughter, Vicky, at that time, and uh, I was a physicist in charge of light. 
and hemp uh, was one of the six plants that we were studying. And the one I chose was indica because I was working with long ultraviolet. And uh, we did germplasm and tissue culture and created some Amish slough, which was <laughs> nice. <laughs> you think we got the light right on this one, puff, puff, puff. And I tell you, man, um, um, there was only one thing I ever found that was stronger than that, and that was the Nepalese temple bowl. You go up to Kathmandu, and uh, the Buddhists would be out in the field uh, meditating, and they would use the oil on the side of their nose. There's uh-huh. different places where you secrete oils and waxes. And what they would do is rub their nose and then have their hands into the marijuana fields and collect the pollen. And at the end of the day, they would have a ball, black or brown ball, that would be somewhere between 20 and maybe 32 ounces. Rams, excuse me. Right. And they would put it in a little sack and put it up on the top of the ledge for sale for all the bikers and, you know, guys that had come in to come on do to buy the temple ball. Right. Now, the Nepalese temple ball uh, is a 10 on a 10. And I used to have a little piece of it I'd put next to my chessboard when we were playing chess, put a little $100 bill down and say to you, I'll bet you can't take one toke and not choke. <laughs> Amazing. I never lost my hundred dollar bill. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Rick, but, are you still are yeah. you still hitting the indicas there? Yeah, we were doing uh, uh, yeah yeah an indica. Yeah. No, I mean I mean today. Are are you still rocking the indicas now? Yes, there's all different kinds. Uh, of course, hemp has gone in many different directions now True. with CBDs, right? And eventually, the real market will not be in sailcloth and rope. It'll be as a virgin white paper. Um, huh. Chuck Walters of Acres USA, I was one of his pallbearers. He and I co-authored a book that has never been published on how to do hemp as a virgin white paper. Right now, they're using poplar down on the Columbia River where they coppice the top 15 feet each year for paper pulp. And I believe that hemp will replace that in probably another 10 years. What you'll say is it'll become legal in all forms, you know, because the CBDs need THC to kick it off. The two chemistries are very similar. Uh, CBD is more like an opiate-like pain uh, soother, whereas the THC is more like a neurotransmitter. Both are toxins. And how that all works, microdosing with mushrooms, is that the chemistry is very similar to that of a neurotransmitter that your brain uses as a resonant cavity oscillator to dialogue with subtle bodies outside the physical body. Now, the one we're most familiar with is chi, which is microtubules with structured water in it. It's on the outside. Hammeroff and others are talking about it now. We developed that concept originally at the University of Washington when we did the original acupuncture studies under Richard Nixon. And uh, basically, a microtubule has structured water in it. And at the moment of death, there is a five gram weight loss in everyone. What is that? And nobody knows, and it's now being proposed that it's structured water in microtubules going back into the multiverse. Sometimes it gets trapped in matter, and we'll call it a ghost, and as it deteriorates, it becomes a poltergeist. 
And uh, that, uh, these are some of the studies I did with the military back in and will be outlined in a book called Spook Central. That's a long time ago. I did those in the early 70s. Yeah, I believe we talked about that the last time you here, you were here. Very fascinating uh, subjects. And of course, you also came across John Lilly in your early years as well. Uh, yeah, I worked experience. with him at Berkeley. That was Carl Sagan that chose me to go into his labs to determine if the dolphin had a form of language. I was there That's insane, like by the way. 10 days before <laughs> I realized their clicks and whistles were a form of Clifford Algebra, dimensional math. Their redundancy coefficient was literally 10 times more efficient than Hebrew. There's a French mathematician that has written a book on that subject called Aesthetic Perception and Information Theory by Avram Moles. And you'll find his work is pretty interesting in that regard, how it relates to uh, language and why Hebrew, you know, more is conveyed. But when you realize that the whale sings songs in the ocean, they have unique songs, that's very similar to the concept of uh, enemy mine, where it was an all tradition like Hebrew, where you sing uh, your songs. That's what the American Indian calls medicine, is their songs and dances of their history. It's an all tradition is medicine, and is what whale do, singing to their children. And it's unique. Each one's different. Um, I don't know why... We haven't spent more time studying this because technology for us is focused around the concept of fire and a thumb. And if you don't have fire and you don't have a thumb like dolphin, what would their technology be like? And that was the first question I asked when I realized that they had a more complex language than we did. And that's when I realized that they're more evolved technically. They blow sonar bubbles called sonoluminescence and create these little artistic circles and bubbles that they play with before they let them release them to the surface where they pop off as white light. And we're There's a, a lot yeah. more going on here than, than we realize, and we are not the center of anything. Oh, we're part of a food chain. Right. And Rick, did you actually see John administer the LSD to the dolphins? No, that was later, I think. They, they weren't doing that when I was there. He was still studying them from, uh, uh, that was later. I think that was in the late 70s. Mine was in the early 70s. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know, um, I don't know about the giving hallucinogens to animals and what it might do differently than it did to humans. I can tell you what happened to me. I I was up, my first trip had been built by Bill Osley. Leary was my guide. We were up in Deception Pass, Hurricane Ridge, 1964. And I was staring down 2,000 feet into Puget Sound, and, and the colors of the ocean were boiling, you know, reds and greens and orange, and it was just unbelievable. And Leary leaned over and he said, wouldn't it be neat to jump? And in that moment, I watched doors closing inside my mind where I, oh God, I, I don't want to think this. I don't want to go there. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I don't want to, no, this danger, Will Robinson's danger. And what I discovered 
was all the Huxley stores of perception and how vast inner space was. It's way more, way more complicated than outer space. And that's when all of my studies have always dealt with inner processes, not outer ones. For example, one of the things I train Navy SEALs is how to change their perception of time using breath control, like Kenny G might. You start with a didgeridoo, you move to an Indian flute, like in Kill Bill, and then you do a pipe of pan. And when you can do that, your ability in changing your perception of time becomes remarkable and yet will not affect your physical and allow your basic form of martial art to become paranormal. Yes. You have the precision Tai Chi moving his hungar. Yes, Rick. And for those that don't know, you are a magician per se. What are your thoughts of, and opinions on, let's say, Jack Parson and uh, Alistair Crowley? Crowley, um, a teacher, can only take you as far as they themselves have gone. And Crowley died as a drug addict in Hastings. And it's true, we didn't even have definitions of addiction at that time. So it's like tombstone and, you know, the unknown. And there's no difference for me or this moment other than Jack Parsons was the physicist that started Jet Propulsion Laboratory and was into Aleister Kohler's writings. I am the physicist that didn't blow himself up. Yeah, you know what's and interesting I, is that... I'm, I'm way high in the lodge, OTO. Right. I was offered at one moment with Phyllis Eckler, Mildred Burlingame, and Helen Parsons Smith. They offered me the caliphate, and I turned it down. It was later given to Breeze, and then he moved to OTO uh, from New York City to Berlin. I chose not to be a leader because that's not what I'm going to do in this life. I'm going to leave some very serious footprints, one of which is that the study of altered states of consciousness are tools in a toolbox where the laws of physics change. And what I'm doing now is I'm mapping them and what I can do in this state and what I can do in that state. And I'm learning how to produce those neurotransmitters without taking toxins by doing it with visualization exercises and my mind's eye. By the way, just to get a, a timeline here for the listeners at home, when you were crossing paths with members of the OTO, how old were you at that time, Rick? I was right out of uh, graduate school, oh, okay. 1970, 1968. I was Church of All Worlds with neo-pagan movement with uh, Tim and Morning Glory Zell back in 1967 when they first started the Church of All Worlds running, you know, based on, you know, Robert Heinlein's Stranger in a Strange Land. I then met Carl and Sandra Wyshewski at Llewellyn and uh, was Coven Camelot, Star of the North. And then Phyllis Seckler was my teacher. And I received all, I knew Bill, Bill Heydrich. I knew uh, earlier with Jack, uh, with uh, Kenneth Anger and uh, uh, others that were up, you know, Austin, Osmond Spa. There were all different kinds out of Canada. I was the one that inherited Frederick Codd's library from the widow. I, I have been in OTO since 1970. So you've been there a pretty long time. Yeah, but I'm today, I'm I, uh, Oak, 
oasis. I'm an oasis of a single person out in the wilderness as an oasis uh, following my own paths and path things. My writings, like the Modern Alchemist, the new book is coming out just right after Christmas, is called The Magical and Ritual Use of Metaphor, Archetypal Gods in Daily Living. And I'm going to suggest that there are 22 stories in the big city. And you're either, in psychology, you're either possessed, which means you have only one story going on, or you're complexed, which means you have more than one storyboard going on. Most of us have five to 12 stories of, of the 22. We actually probably even, each have, one, we probably even have each, more, Rick. I mean, everyone has a different version of you and a different perception. Yeah, that's exactly correct. Yeah. That's a Greek concept and was the foundation of their technology, archetypal gods in daily living. And if you could identify the storyboards, each one has an ending. Is that how you want it to end? And if that's not true, then pathworking was how you change the movie. Right. And that's what I'm writing about now in magic and physics. Very interesting stuff. And of course, Warner Von Braun allegedly claimed it was Parsons, who was actually the true father of the American space program for his contribution to the development of the solid rocket fuel. Yeah, Jet Propulsion Lab, JPL, yeah. Amazing. It's undescribable and unexplainable, the story of Jack Parsons' life, having even a crater named after him. Well, yeah, yeah he had uh, L. Ron Hubbard hanging out of him. L. Ron Hubbard was only third degree. That's and even... Scientology... Uh, even stranger. Uh, ...uses the process, the idea of, like what I'm using right now, brain drivers, you know, where you, rather than old school, like I went through with meditation as a satsangi, training my mind, that is... The single most important thing I could say tonight is that man has a responsibility for the thoughts he chooses to entertain, and that training the mind is the single most important part of why you're here. Learning how to train the mind to be used as a tool. Your upper brain that is normally associated as a mind is there to make all your beliefs true. I wouldn't have seen it if I hadn't have believed it. It's a filter system, and it's done with belief systems and uh, wounds. And those two, when used together, are actually what make you uniquely different than me. And that's where the magic occurs and why we were chosen as God's favored. By the way, Rick, had choice. by the way, Rick, in the chat room, uh, many people were talking about this and even I even got some private messages about this. But does sex magic rituals actually work? The heathens want to know, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> the thought, this is the Mormon. This is the Masonic secret. The thought that occurs at the moment of climax happens. Why? It is the emotional punctuation of it. When you can use emotion, which is the way you communicate with yourself, it's a higher level of information. You have physical pain, that's IQ. And then you have EQ, how you feel about the physical pain. It's more detail. That's where the Benny Jesuit rule. It's interesting to note that whenever there was a matriarchal society on earth, there were no wars. By the way, Scott in the chat room was asking, did 
You influenced Carl Sagan's last movie, Contact, being an internal experience. That comes from Scott in the chat room. I knew Carl Sagan. I don't know to what extent I influenced him as much as he influenced me. Right. Uh, it, how did Ali put it? It would seem like a terrible waste of space to be the only ones out here. Are aliens real? My response would be, how could they not be? Yeah, I believe that sums it up. And of course, over the years, there has been endless discussions on how just how far advanced artificial intelligence actually is. And well, I'm, if space and time aren't real, which came first? Yeah, see, that's the thing. I'm curious if artificial intelligence has always existed, just like maybe the universe has always existed. Well, but, how about sand and your what AI concepts are about is memory. And when you realize you have forbidden zones in solid-state physics where gallium and arsenic form gallium arsenide, that boundary where you do your checksum errors, and then you realize that water has one million times, that's six zeros, more information in the same space. And you have five grams of it that get leave the body at the moment of death. Do you realize that that's enough memory for one million lifetimes. Is that so? There it is. It's like a virtual reality that you've plugged in, has nothing to do with time because it's not real, and you just keep doing it over and over until you get it just the way you want to, and when you do that, then you move to the next thing. How about that for a metaphor? And you can't even see the other side of the fence. Yeah, that's the scary part of it all, right? Well, then that's where your limitation is such that there's no way you should be fooling yourself in thinking you're so superior to something else. You're part of a food chain just like the gut is. There's a hierarchy, and we have our place in the, in the scheme of things, and it's not at the top of the pyramid. That's very true. We are just on a pale blue dot, just like Carl Sagan said. So there it is. And you remember when Cali dropped into that big chamber, it was, in fact, a diamond body, a face center cubic hexagonal closed pack structure. You envisioned that geometry in your mind's eye, and you have a TARDIS. Now, Rick, I got to ask you this one, and this is going to be completely out of left field. Do you think Jeffrey Epstein killed himself? <laughs> of course not. He was a pedophile, and guess what? I'm doing a screenplay right now for John Golden called Once Upon a Time at San Quentin. Mm, interesting. Yeah, code of silence. No, Epstein didn't commit suicide. He was put to death. He was a pedophile. Get a grip. What do you think they're going to do with someone like that in prison? My goodness. Yeah, you know, I don't, I've never really thought that myself once I well, got all the information in. Uh, well, there goes another rubber tree. Yeah, there's all He was murdered. Of course he was murdered. And why would he not be? Huh. And now, good luck. Watch what's happening now to England and Prince George. <laughs> it's all going to come out. Don't worry. It'll be in your lifetime. That's why you chose this movie. You mean per, per, Prince Andrew? Yeah. But I know what you meant. Yes, it's very, um, it's very telling that that happened to him after giving that little interview he did. Yeah, there's a lot of little things going on that are very highly suspicious. <laughs> Our media 
should be embarrassed. It is quite embarrassing indeed. And the queen, oh, God, why do they even have a queen still? Well, you know, God's got to save her, you know. <laughs> I just, I just, I never saw the, the point of that sort of a thing, especially for the, the, the good folks of the UK it's having to deal with like that. in the movie They Live. I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't know. And for me, at this juncture in my development, it doesn't matter because there's not probably a lot I personally can do about it. Now, my father, the one that raised me, taught me that there were, this was one of his teachings to me, was that there were three ways you could be in this world. The vulgar, the adept, and the exempt. And the vulgar got audited, the adept got money back from the government, and the exempt had a 501c3, they didn't pay taxes. And that's why my grades weren't as important to me as being able to do anything I wanted. I had access just because I could compete. You lived the wild and that's life. That's I wanted to do. I wanted to have access. As long as I had access, I didn't want to screw a cheerleader. I was afraid I'd get someone pregnant. Right. Wouldn't be able to go to college. I was a nerd, you know. You lived but, a pretty interesting life, Rick. What's that? I said, you lived a pretty interesting life. Well, I, was, uh, I didn't get laid until I was 20 years old. Oh, no, I, Rick. You know, I, I, I waited because I was afraid. Back then, rubbers didn't work. I mean, you know, condoms, that kind of thing. You were sure. kind of scared. You didn't want to get someone pregnant. And for sure, if you did, there'd be no way you could go to school. And school was my old thing. I, I am still going to school. Yeah, you're still At age 76, I still, I still am learning. Right now, I took over my website, and I'm now slowly learning how to use WordPress and all the sundry uh, security, security, and all the different badges and crap that goes on just to set up a website. You're learning how to code, Rick. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's the same as it ever was. <laughs> oh, you dropped off there. Yeah, oh, old talking heads, man. Is this my house burning down? Same as it ever was. Rick, one more, one more thing here. As we wind down, uh, we're, we're going to wind okay, down sure. here. Uh, Rick, I got to ask you. There's been lots of talk of space tourism that's been going on for quite some time. I, I definitely want your take on different companies getting involved, like Virgin Galactic, SpaceX, Blue Origin. And I think there's one. Okay, here's the deal. Imagine Let's hear it. that you're a farmer in 1820 and I walked up to you with a cell phone. Now, that's Asimov saying that that would appear as magic to you. Breaker, breaker, one, seven. Come on. And you would have no idea at all about frequency about radio waves, about transmitters and diodes, and all the things that made that technology from 1820 to 1920. And just 150 years of technology would be so advanced, there's probably no way you could reverse engineer it. So now we go back to the Fermana and the Clovis and the different cultures in Paris where they apparently had spaceflight and realize that we're talking about thousands of years of technology. Now, how many billion dollars 
would it take Ooh. to pour into scientists like me trying to figure out how to make a magnetic monopole? Well, a lot. And Too much. mostly unaccountable. And we'll call that the secret space program where the money went down the drain for nothing. And then the guy came up to you and he said to you, you want to see one? Now, where is that going? Well, Hollywood. Once you see it in your mind's eye, technology follows. The replicator has now become a 3D printer. And to try to reverse engineer a spacecraft from another technology or a previous epoch, I have watched Tibetan Buddhists using these long horns. They're real deep. You know, they blow them off of canyon walls, and it sets up an echo chamber with the canyon and all of that. And if they put 19 of them in a certain specific geometric array, it so compresses the air as to lift very large objects that you can push with a finger. Kind of like cavitation, where we take a torpedo and go at hypersonic speed through water because it's not going in water, it's going in air. Amazing. And we are winding down about 20 minutes left here before we have to wrap it up due to radio purposes here, Rick. But of course, I did want to ask you about 5G as we shut this 5G. thing down. Yeah, 5G is going to eventually be banned. It is a end game weapon. It has been deployed in many different false flags. Um, as uh, what we call synthetic telepathy. It has been used where they will take a child. They first started beta testing uh, opiates uh, in prisons where they instead of move the inmates off of opiates and into antipsychotics, they discovered that children are extremely susceptible and that one in five is unstable. Now, you put an unstable child on uh, antipsychotic, you put voices in his head, and then you have a second shooter that taps him with scopolamine, and you have all the different school shootings. Yes. And now imagine that I no longer need law enforcement. How many people in your neighborhood are on antipsychotics right now? Lots of people are on psychotropics as we speak. Well, it is. <laughs> and that is a potential use like they do in schools to see beta testing on whether or not they can use a kid to go in and do law enforcement and shoot up everybody. Now, with that said, right. that's anarchy. And when I say 5G, paradise, then those blue beams that people say, oh, those are laser beams. No, they weren't. What it was was a smart meter that went unstable and set off a second smart meter and 10,000 of them went off. And right now there's a group of scientists that believe that 5G, there is no 6G, by the way, that's bullshit. There's 5G is as high and fast as it goes. That's quantum mechanical. There's nothing smaller. And when you talk about that uh, 5G, uh, what you have is basically no way to shield it. And if Lockheed puts the space fence around the Earth, what you have next is Pinhead. 
And when I say that, uh, what I'm suggesting is that right now, the 5G bandwidths are reaching the surface of the soil from our sun, and that's what's killing off our insects and the bees. The bees use 5G for their navigation, and it screws them up. They don't know how to, they don't know where they're going. They're blind. It's like being blinded to the bee. And so there are countries now that have banned 5G. Katati, which was next to Paradise, has allotted. There are provinces in Oregon, including Curry County and others, that's against the law. Watch what happens next. PG&A will say no contest, but now to remove your 5G will cost you some more money. That's how it'll play. And basically, the fires that are going on in California right now are from the chemtrails and the spraying of aluminum. All the trees are coated with it so that when we do have a forest fire, it burns much hotter. And that's been said by the Forest Service on all. They've never seen forests this hot. Why? It's the aluminum that's coated on all the trees. And basically, I think what they're doing is prepping California to give a portion of it to China. Oh, Lord. I hope, not. I hope not. Wow. And about 15 minutes wow. or so here. Uh, Rick, what's your opinion on Building 7 and that Tuesday morning that will live on longer than each of us, Rick? Yeah, that was a new weapon. That was a neutron fullerene fusion bomb. Lockheed had developed the uh, teleportation laser, and Carnegie Mellon did the trigger mechanism. And basically, instead of putting structured water or exclusion zone water, H3O2, inside a fullerene to make an antioxidant, what they did is they put in deuterium and had a neutron fullerene fusion bomb using a teleportation laser that was from Lockheed. And that is how you get a a 1,017-foot steel beam to fall in free fall and turn into a gas before it hits the surface. It's a plasma. There's not any jet fuel will get that hot. So there it is. Amazing stuff. And of course, I have to go here and ask you this next question, uh, Rick. But before I do, Rick, I just wanted to say I've been having uh, lots of fun here. This this conversation has been quite pleasant with you, Rick. I cause you to think. You always that's do. That's what I'm doing. You always do. You never fail to do that. Well, that's where it begins. Thinking is allowed. That's Jeffrey Mishlove. He was one of my students at Evergreen. Can you imagine I'm that old? <laughs> you're you're that young at heart, though. Don't worry. Rick, you're always very, you're yeah. very youthful. What a you're, grip, man. <laughs> you're, well, you're always full of energy, very yeah, enthusiastic yeah, yeah. here. It's called inflamement, being a man on fire. I'm, I'm into what I'm doing. That is where it's at. That is the distinction between intent and purpose. When you're a man on fire and, you, you know, you're inflamed, you're, you're caught up in the moment. Yes, sir. And, of course, as we wind down here officially now, about 10 minutes left, I got to ask you this. Since this is end of days, do you think there will be some sort of end time scenario uh, years to come from now, Rick? Well, <laughs> Greg Bear is one of my most interesting science fiction writers, and he wrote Epon and Epoch, which is the end times where aliens show up to take 144,000 up into space to witness the end of the Earth. That's a really good science fiction 
series, Greg Bear. And I would say that we there will always there will always be survivals survivors. That's what man does. However, the Clovis that had space flight down near Popo, they crawled out of a cave. So how bad is it going to be? Nobody knows. But there will be survivors, just like there is in the movie. <laughs> Amazing. And what about our President Donald Trump? Anything to add to his... Trump is a buffoon. Uh, I did not vote for Trump. I voted against Clinton. And that's the bad part. The quality of whom they offer up for our choices for president is an embarrassment. I would think that our president should represent our most scholarly and most morally correct. Good luck Amazing. with that. Yeah, well, that's all That's all politics, really. Well, then there's the difference and why I'm a moral man, not an ethical one. Yes, sir. There are certain things I won't do, and that's that. Yeah, that's kind of the way I've always felt about all politicians. They're all liars and cheaters and Well, they have a different code of ethics and their way true. of behavior than mine. Yeah, they, they I wouldn't want to do. be that way. I believe in being captain and commander, exempt. Right. And, of course, I have to ask you this one, and I'm sure you've probably seen the movie 21 Grams, correct, from 2003? Yes. Fantastic movie, right? Well, it was one of them, yeah. There's just, the movies today are exceptional. I just watched 21 Bridges, not 21 Grams. 21 Bridges, that's a good movie. What a coincidence. There's, huh? I said, what a coincidence. Yeah, imagine the number 21. Yeah. That's why I did it. I'm trying to, coincidence? No, it has to do with synchronicity. Very much And true. how future yeah. timelines talk to the moment. Amazing stuff. And Rick, I do want to thank you very much for being a part of the program. I would love to have you on longer here, but I do have another guest. And it oh, is that's no problem. I'm always available. Just give me a call when you're ready for me again. Yes, sir. I'll definitely do that. But before I go, I want to leave you with the last word here and feel free to plug anything you'd like, any future work and maybe well, even... I'm a starving artist. Go ahead. Feel free to go to my website and purchase my books. If you buy them from me, they will be from me. I will autograph them, nice. and I usually throw in some extra little things because I appreciate the support everybody's been giving me. That's at richardallenmiller.com, A-L-A-N. richardallenmiller.com, and I have a store with lots and lots of things going on. That's right, richardallenmiller.com, ladies and gentlemen. And, of course, you can go to Amazon, but... Preferably go to richardallenmiller.com and the man will actually give you an autographed copy, which is Anything always nice. You purchase, yeah. For sure. All right, Rick, thank you so much, my friend. I, I, hope you have, I hope you had fun here. I did. I always do. Thank you for having me. For sure, Rick. Mahalo. Take care, my friend. Mahalo. All right. Bye-bye. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That was the one and only Dr. Richard Allen Miller. Great guy. Great guest. Very, very entertaining. For sure, gang, before you're right. Yes, and his laugh. It's wonderful, right? I definitely like his laugh there. Everyone does. Everyone likes to hear him break up here on the show and give that trademark laugh a run here. And of course, boys and girls, we do have a second part coming up. Definitely go to the restroom or kitchen and get yourselves ready. 
Star Mountain is next. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the program, boys and girls. What's going on, boomers out there? And of course, all you boys and girls and in-betweens, whatever you are out there. I don't know. I don't care what you are, but I'm happy you're here. And of course, we are joined by our second guest, Miss Star Mountain. What's going on? Hello, Michael. Hey, chat. Yes, the chat room is very much alive after the shenanigans during the break. Very lively. I missed out on the break shenanigans. Oh, drat. No, I think you were there. I was? I think you saw that. You saw the rowdiness of the chat. Oh, oh, oh chat rowdy. Okay. You're right. Sorry about that. That's all right. And of course, we are getting... Sucks getting old. <laughs> yes. By the way, we are... We, we have a call, by the way. Let, let's take that call really quickly, Star. Okay. Caller, what's going on? Talk to me. Hey. Loving this show tonight, man. This is Kaiser on uh, 4.9. Yeah, how you doing? How's it, how's it going for you, man? I'm I mean, doing good. Are you, nice. a, are you a boomer? Uh, no, no, no. I'm a Gen Xer. You know that, brother. You've known me for a while. I thought you were a boomer. Uh, no, no. I'm 51 now. So I'm Gen X. You're Gen X. Okay. I had, yeah, yeah. I have uh, a millennial who's serving in the Marine Corps. That's so anyways, right. yeah. the, the Go whole ahead, buddy. point is... Yes. Huh? Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. I was going to say, you know, when this whole war started out and 
Afghanistan and Iraq. Oh, yes. Go I ahead. was still in my 30s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. L- late 20s, early 30s. Yeah. For those that um, don't know, Kaiser here is a veteran and has served this country well and has protected many lives. Go ahead, Kaiser. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying uh, I love stars on tonight and I just want to listen. And if star wants to or you want to bring me on, um, I'll sit in the in the back ways because I love the R.A.M. Uh, interview. Uh, I had a couple questions for him, but, you know, that that's neither here nor there. But this is Star's moment. I just called in to say, Star Mountain, rock on, girl. You know, you, oh, you know, just... you know what's up. Oh, and, I like um, to think I do. <laughs> a God shout out you. to my page, Sword Point Nine. That's it. Amazing. Well, oh, Sword, oh. you're awesome, man. Very you really awesome. Are. Yes. And Star, my goodness, it's been a while since we talked. Yeah, it has been. It really has. It's been quite some time, and I'm glad you're here with me tonight. And of course, I hope you liked that first interview. That well. I was listening. Well, I was on the YouTube waiting for you to come on and waited and waited. And then somebody in the chat said it's over at some other place. And I looked and looked. I couldn't find it. And finally, Streamlabs, yes. It's um, there was some sort of weird update. I don't know what was going on. I don't on know what happened, but I missed a good part of the show, which a lot kind of people of did. Me. That's My okay. bad, not yours. I just. I am not that tech savvy, I'm afraid. But anyway, the the last part that I did catch was sounded really, really cool. I disagree with his political views, but the other stuff was good. Well, I had a feeling you'd say that. Yeah, well, that's my opinion. I know, that's We're okay. We're entitled to ours. Right. And you know, that's something that sometimes I forget it to even like tell the guest that it's okay for them to uh, disagree with me about anything. It's okay. Agree to disagree. Oh. Agree to disagree. Was that a bottle I hear? No, it was a cup, a coffee cup. Oh, I, I thought I heard a bottle. No, no, it was a coffee cup with ice. I was going to say, are you beating me already? <laughs> with what? Well, with the, with the bottles. I mean, there's a few of them here. I would never beat you with a bottle. Now, that would hurt. There's a couple of them. That that would bruise. Last show. A la- bottle break, it would cut. <laughs> last show, by no, the way. No, I would never do that. I'm I'm totally nonviolent. Sorry. Last show star, I actually threw a bottle in excitement across the room. Who did? I did. At you? No, I just threw one across the room for no reason. Oh, oh you did? Yeah. It didn't break, did it? It did break. I made a mess. <gasps> Okay. I made a goddamn and mess all over the place in this room, but that 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 happens sometimes. You know, you get all hyped up and you want to throw a bottle against the wall, and I did. I don't get that hyped. You don't get that excited? Uh, not to throw bottles at my wall. I thought it was I kind mean, of normal. I'll do, poor thing. <laughs> well, sometimes you got to get it out of you. Now the chat want now the chat wants me to throw another bottle. Okay, you throw bottles. I'm I'm just kind of a passive. Door. I just don't want to clean up the mess again. That's all, or else I would throw this bottle. It's it was well, pretty fun. I used to be gropers, formerly <laughs> known as recups. Oh, basement cleaner. I would Uh-oh. come once a month to clean his basement, if he remembers correctly. <clears throat> what what's going on with so, you and yeah, um, I'm, I'm, and I'm this Richard character? The, oh, there he is. Outside, throw it outside in the grass, brother. It won't break. 
And and there's Richard Griper now in the chat room saying angry Richard. rage rage. What what's going on with you and Mr. Richard uh, Griper? Wait, wh- whom are you speaking to? I'm talking to you. Oh me? I I don't know. I've never dis. I've always liked Richard. In fact, he's he kind of reminds me of a bratty son. But he's your bratty son. No, I said he reminds me of a bratty son. Don't you have a son, Star? I have two sons. Um, how old are they, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, let's see. This is 19. Uh, they are 49 and 50. You want to know how old I just turned a few days ago? I think you told me. No, you want me to tell on air so oh. there's no question? Go ahead. Do you want me to? Does Richard? Only if you want. Oh, what the hell? 73, just turned. 73 years young. Don't worry. November 14. Da, da, da. You're, you're a young Don't woman. Don't it. worry. Never felt it. Don't feel it now. Probably never will. What the hell? Oh, my. <laughs> Richard says, oh, man, your sons are boomers. No, I'm I'm the boomer. My sons are not boomers. They're, they're not boomers. They're too young to be boomers. I forgot when the boomer limit cut off, but they're not boomers. I think they're... I'm not even sure what the limit is. I forgot. I just... I don't keep up with that crap. <laughs> so I I don't know what well, that I'm, phase is. Go ahead, Kaiser. Well, jump in. I, I think 68 was uh, the era when they were Gen Xers. And my uh-huh. son was a millennial. They called it Generation Next in the 90s before he was born, like a couple of days... Or I think two or three years before he was born in 95, 96. I think it was 96. Okay. Well, my sons were born in August of 1969 and 1970, so they're not boomers. It says here, according to uh, Google, baby boomers were born between 1944 and 1964. They're not boomers. (laughs) The current between uh, 55 to 75 years of age. Oh, I'm I'm looking at chat. Sexy Android says, Star, you're not 74. Thank you. No, I'm not. Please, don't add the year. It's 73. But I don't feel it. I, I feel way younger. Yeah, at your age, um, Star, and I don't I don't mean to sound like making making that like a rude comment or anything, but you know, you've told me you drink alcohol every now and then, and I was curious to ask you, now that you are in your older years in life, how does alcohol really affect you, Star? Like, does it make okay. you mo- much more... Up. I don't know if it's my end or, or yours, but you're kind of... I'm breaking up. ...roaring in and out. Interesting. How about now? It's, it's a tech thing. Okay. So far, so good. So far, so good. How about now? Okay, you were asking about <laughs> drinking and something. Correct. Drinking and my yes. age? Yes, at your age, asking? yes. I was just wondering if... I your... take it very slowly. Very slowly, okay. Interesting, interesting. I've noticed after all these years of drinking socially, I've noticed now that I'm a little bit older that alcohol definitely does make me a lot more, I guess, sleepy and... Uh, Actually, it puts me in a weird state. Not exactly sleepy, but it does make me kind of alert at the same time, which is probably not probably not the same effect for a lot of other people out there. But I mean, I do have my limits before it does turn on me. The alcohol will turn on you. And for me, it, you know, it takes a little bit more 
uh, a couple beers in me to actually uh, turn turn south on me, if you know what I'm talking about. Before I'm like throwing up and all that shit. When I pour a drink, uh, it's like a little bit of alcohol and then, well, first of all, it's ice to the top of the, gla- uh, the cup. And then some alcohol, just kind of maybe an inch or two from the bottom, and the rest is V8 juice. What about hashish? Oh, God, I haven't smoked it. Not that I wouldn't want to. I just haven't. I haven't had access to... to uh, I like that you know what that is, by the way. Any of that for <laughs> many years, and I kind of miss it. I, I'd like to get a hold of some, but... Were you I a hippie? Were, were you a hippie star? Oh, hell yeah. You were really a hit. Were, were you dropping acid and doing all that stuff? <laughs> Is that what you were doing in your younger years, Star? I think I dropped acid. Oh, look at three, that. Maybe three, maybe four times. Wow. In the mid, no, wait. It's 60, 68. Let's see. I turned 21 and 67. I'm glad to know that you're that's, not. That was like the lift <laughs> of the gate. Now I'm old enough to smoke, I can drink, I can do this, I can do that, and I can even have sex. Yes, on my 21st birthday, I was a virgin. I'm glad you weren't a square. (laughs) But uh, that was all done in moderation. Right, right. Because I still had to go to work. Um, I I wasn't married. I didn't even know the guy was going to be my husband at the time. But I did have to work. So you did. You, I had, you a had a husband. At the time, which I love more than anything. Star, you uh, star. You mentioned the husband. Um, did you? Did he pass? Did you get a divorce? What's going on here? I I don't know these things. Okay, Mister Nosy. I'm nosy. Well, I am the host of the show. Well, yeah. It's okay, my job. Is this gossip time? Sure. It, when is it not? Pretty, it was pretty boring. Oh. Uh, not to me. My, my son's father just passed away a couple of weeks ago. Um, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm not going to go any further. Understood. Understood. And your kids today, are you still talking to them actively? Oh, yes, absolutely. I've never not talked to them. Sometimes and that I happens. With my grandchildren all the time. The thing is... They live about four states away from me, so oh, shit. it's okay. not really convenient yeah. for us to come visit every weekend or anything like that. Right. So, no, there isn't physical visiting, but there are phone conversations, text, uh, emails, well, that's good. Yeah. and all that other stuff. So, yeah, we are in good communication. We just don't have the time uh, to travel four states away to each other. That's understood. All. Yeah, understood. And of course, Kaiser, are you still alive out there? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I have to say, I am very sorry that uh, that happened to you. Um, I can't imagine that feeling of your mate for that many years. And that's all I'll say on that. Honestly, that's just it rips my heart out. But I. I also understand you have your children and honestly, there's a difference between men and women on this level that I love my son more than anything, but right. I would rather die before um, <clears throat> um, my wife because I witnessed my mother die before 
my quote unquote stepdad and uh it ate me up so yeah. if you have boys uh i think you'll understand why by the way uh, kaiser boys. by the way kaiser i have to jump in here really quickly the reason why right. i asked star that is because I, and i'm sure you are f- fully aware of this sometimes in life your children don't necessarily want to have anything to do with you once they move out Oh, you're correct. I mean, I not went always, through that phase. Not always. Not always. That's not always the case. But I you understand. I went through that phase at yes. 17, and I just had something, you know, I couldn't. I, I'm a bastard child, so I'm sort of different. But I was mad that she found some other dude to take head of the household, which is, of course, what the young 11-year-old would think. And Amel. And... uh the interesting thing was <clears throat> I held that grudge for a little bit until I was 17 and went in the army. And I realized that, uh, my quote unquote stepdad was not as bad as I thought he was. And he actually did try to help. And it's a man thing. It's a, it's a boy thing. And right with that, I had a deeper love for my mother and I'm just happy. She had a joyful marriage. For so long, and and I'll mute myself, brother. And wait up, Kaiser. Did you forgive your mother? Oh, brother, I will tell you this. When I came back from Iraq, um, this is 2000, oh, shoot. It was uh, March of 2006, and uh, I'm, I'm not trying to take your time. Please don't do that. That's okay. Brother. Don't worry. You can talk. Um, well, stay but, with us. Um, in Canada, we had to meet because of tax things, and I couldn't come into the U.S., and we had the best conversation. It was epic, awesome. And she died of uh, cancer, straw cancer of the lungs. And um, at the end of it, she stayed on that hotel. We joked around, talked about everything. And at the end, I said, uh, is there anything left to say? Nope. And they gave her six weeks. I got six months. And I saw her the night before she died. And my last thing was, do you have any thing else you have to say and she just looks at me and shakes her head because she was in so much pain and she died at three o'clock in the morning my goodness yeah that's that is sometimes reality my friend and nothing hits harder than reality nothing is scarier than reality as well <laughs> and these are hard times sometimes you have to um go through these things and everyone will eventually and you love someone long enough, you're going to see that person either in a hospital or in their dying bed, their deathbed. I'm not sure how many of you have been there yet. I'm sure plenty of you have, and that's never good to see a loved one dying away. I know myself. I'll see her. Yeah, go ahead. I'll see her. I'll see her with every ancestor, and oh, yes. that's how I look at it. All the ancestors will gather at the table in Valhalla. Amazing. Star, how do you feel about that? Did we lose Star already? No, no, I'm here. I was answering uh, Richard. He was asking whether I'm using my walker now, and I was going to tell him, no, I'm sitting here on my ass talking to you, but (laughs) uh, I had to stop so I could participate. So I'm very sorry. Uh, Third point that I'm... uh, God bless you, sir, for your service. Thank you. Thank you for mentioning it, but it was my privilege. It's it's not and my pleasure to 
but with the wars and stuff, I got jaded. I mean, you know, but it, it was my privilege to serve what I believed was right. And I still do that, but in a different manner. And that's all I'll say. This year program, I didn't mean to hijack it. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. Yeah, we're glad you're here. <laughs> that, Don't worry. <laughs> that that will detract Mike from me. <laughs> stay. Oh, please stay. Thank you. Yeah, what's been going on with you, Star? You seem to have been the topic of last night's discussion with uh, MV. Oh, yeah. Just I didn't even know about that until you gave me a heads up earlier today. I had to tell you because, you know, Star, you know, I'm your yeah. friend. You know, I love you. Like, I love all my friends out there. I really do. And I've never bad-mouthed anyone that I really do appreciate and like and respect. I've never talked out of a turn about anyone that I actually care about. And those that I do talk about, you know, I don't mind bearing them on the air to their face or to their parents, to their friends, to their girlfriend, anyone. I don't give a shit. You know, if you're on my shit list, I'm going to go after you because it's my act of defiance, arrogance, and intransigence that truly trips people up. But I'm someone who really has no filter whatsoever, and I'll say whatever the fuck I want. That's the great thing about myself and this program. Damn straight. And oh, yes. thank goodness for people who get up and just smack it to them. Oh, some I'm people need to be afraid. Offended. I'm afraid I'm one of those who have to most. Well, I can't say all the time, stop and think things through because sometimes things are said to or about me that are really hurtful. And I'll come off the top of the page before thinking things out. And that's not always wise for me. But That's regarding true. regarding the Gabcast, go ahead at timestamp two twenty forty one ish, and these aren't all spot on because it's really hard to get that little mouse thing to get on the right point. But Ezra said that uh, at one point something about I was I forgot why he said it, but. I was hitting the report button so much that I had to disable it. Uh, I hit the report button two, maybe three times uh, regarding Zaza, the one. I think we all know who that is. And anyway, uh, when he was doing a total slander and trash. For those that don't know. I we're, finally got fed <laughs> up with it. So for, for those that don't I, know, these are characters that have been doxing other people on a message board of form. They're trying to cause intentional inflection of emotional distress. And the one thing I have to tell you, a star, you know, I've had so many individuals that try to inflict intentional infliction of emotional distress upon yours truly. But, you know, I'm someone who is quite apathetic anytime someone tries to go against me uh, to any degree. You know, I welcome it. I like it. I have no issues with it. But certainly there's been people out there who have tried to hurt me in many ways. It's part of the game. I signed up for it. But I understand how you're someone on the outside. You're not used to a bunch of people talking all kinds of mad shit about you. On the contrary, I am or are you? It, okay, you're used to it. I just have never handled it well. Right. Be because there's the why factor. Why do this to me? 
what did I do to you to deserve that? And I can't think of anything. Maybe somebody misunderstood something that was said or simply if you Google paid trolls, there are a lot of people out there who are paid just to come and harass anonymous people just for the hell of it. Um, anyway, just you got to Google it. Uh, anyway, no, I did not hit the report button a gazillion. Well, okay, that's an exaggeration. It was not a gazillion times. It was just a billion times. No, not even that. It was two, maybe three times. How do you feel about hey. these individuals that you once thought were your friends, knowing now what you know at this wait, moment wait, in start time? Start over again. I didn't hear that first part. I was saying, uh, as you know, Star, these individuals that you thought were your friends, how do you feel now at this moment, knowing what you know now, that these individuals didn't have that sort of uh, perception of you that you had of them, that they aren't exactly your friends? Did you learn anything from this experience? Okay, uh, there's a difference between friends and well-known acquaintances. Of course. Okay. There's a difference, yes. But these are people that you thought were your friends, your online quote-unquote friends at one time. Maybe I just enjoy having friendships with people so much that I should be more aware of whom I consider who are trustworthy friends. There you go. Now you've learned. Whoopee! Do I get a gold star? Now you have sparned yourself up, which is good. Yes, don't trust anyone online. That's a rule one, the golden rule. I just, I, I love people. I, I mean, too. Help it. I cannot help it. And I'll enjoy a friendship. I'll enjoy communication with someone. But if they stab me in the back, figuratively, not literally, because I'd be dead. But if they stab me in the back, and I don't know why. There's no reason. Or there is a reason, but they don't tell me, which happens a lot of the time. Um, I don't know what to do. I just, it, I just, I like getting along. I like to see people getting along. And I have friends or I have acquaintances who I just, I simply love or just really enjoy their friendship but they're not friends with each other. And boy, does that do a rip. That is a heart rip. And I'm not going to choose sides. Understood. That's, that's, that, that conflict is their conflict. It's not my conflict. Yes. And I just, I'm not going to be drawn into it. And do you have any issues with anyone right now at the moment? Probably I'm nothing's coming to the top of my head right now. I'm sure you want me to say people uh, throw out a couple of names and let's go from there. Are you afraid of these people? Am I afraid of them? Yeah. Do you worry about them? About what they think? Their perception of you? I'm not afraid of them. I mean, I don't think they're going to try to track me down and get into the complex they can't anyway don't worry about yeah don't worry about it though you know these are just these are just people you have to go with the flow and roll with the punches it's i think it's what is what they what their heart thinks about me versus what they're told to think about me and sometimes there's a huge difference between 
what they hear and what actually is. And I just, at that point, I just, I leave it in the hands of the universe and hope everything gets straightened out. I'll, I'll defend myself, but. But what if the universe just constantly shits on you? What do you do then? Wait, what if the what shits? I said, what if the universe just constantly shits on you? What do you do then? Well, no, the universe doesn't shit on me, but. Well, good. There are facts within it that does, but. Well, what don't kill me makes me stronger, I guess. Richard wants you to uh, name names. Why? None of his business. Well, Richard, there's your answer. We probably won't get any names, but we know who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, uh, uh, Richard, Richard, what? Uh, Richard, call in, you little squirt. You know, uh, I don't think names, you're going to call in. What, names, what names do you think... I should name. I don't think I don't. I don't think you know. I don't think you're going to name any names here tonight. Okay. Well, I, I'm not. I'm not going to diss anybody. I have no ill will toward anybody. Some people hurt some hurt me. Some people make me sad, but I have no ill will toward them because of the karma thing. Do you believe in karma? Hell yeah! Interesting. I've seen You've seen it work. What is your burden of proof of alleged karma? Go ahead. Okay. Well, my burden of proof, I can't give you pictures. Sure. I can't give you documents. I can relate one experience that I had. Um, a place I used to rent some fella in the mountains. Some guy really wanted it, and he went behind my back to the owner and uh, told him if he could get me to move out, that he would pay him uh, way more than the rent I was being charged. So there, I have this was like in the 80s, so I don't remember clearly. But anyway, I got outed, and the guy moved in, and about three, four weeks later, there was a huge, huge windstorm, and. The wind had blown a tree down over the bedroom and crashed through the ceiling and landed about two feet from the bed where he was sleeping. And he had to get out. Scared the hell out of him. Richard said, the 80s, oh my God. 80s were cool, man. Don't kiss the 80s. Kaiser, do you still remember the 80s out there? Kaiser, where are you? Oh, yes, there I do. Is. Oh, yes, I do. I had to uh, unmute myself. What, what were you driving um, in high school? I got to hear this. Oh, in high school? Yeah, what were you oh, rocking? Shit. Here we go. I uh, had a great time in high school. <laughs> I got to hear this. <laughs> um, I had a great time in the Army and then the Marine Corps. Um, it wasn't until I actually uh, decided I wanted to find somebody to settle down with and that's something with all my mentees that I've talked to them about. It's about uh, find the woman and be with her. And it doesn't matter. And, and honestly, Star Mountain can attest to this. Marriage is hard work. It's not as easy as people think. <laughs> and uh, I told that to my son when he got married. Oh, shit. How, how old was your son when he got married, by the way, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, yeah, I don't mind. I think he was 19. God damn, he was young. And, yeah, but he has an awesome wife, a beautiful woman. And well, Maybe um, he just knew. 
Shay, you're on my page, man. You can see everything. Oh, I mean, I, I know on, I could see that on your page, but, you know, I'm not someone who goes into anyone's business. You know, I don't do that sort of thing. No, I know. I know. And I don't either. But yeah, the point is, is here's something that I discovered as a bastard. And I hate bringing this up. I, I mean, look, I'm half I'm half uh, what they used to call spaghetti or lasagna nigger. Uh, oh, my goodness. And I'm also half. Bavarian, Austrian, German. Um, you know, people always want to pigeonhole people. But the last I looked, I'm an American. And uh, here's the point, is that do we have to subjugate ourselves to pigeonhole things because the SJWs want us to? I don't think so. And um, I love Star. She's bold. She's out there. And, you know, it's only because I have the freedom because my work, uh, good, bad, or indifferent, whatever anybody thinks, is not covered by anybody. They can't fire me. Nobody can say, don't hire this guy. You know, I'm about to bounce again, and you know this. And the funny part to me is that they've somehow gotten a grip on this society. And I do believe. You know, I don't know. I need a glass of juice to figure that one out. Uh, but I do know where it comes from. And that's why I tell everybody, you know what? Be crypto. They're crypto. Be crypto. And that's all I'll say on that. By the way, how do you feel about Mary Yovanovitch, the former U.S. ambassador to Ukraine? There's a gif of uh, her right now. She's a typical bureaucrat. Typical bureaucrat. She's a straight-up cunt. I, I know who she, I I did have a job when I was a Fed, and if your people don't know, it's not Mossad. It's I worked for the Federal. I've never been on my page. Everything on me is on there, and I've worked around many people. And I was also in Charlottesville. I got captured by you know some idiot CNN cameraman. <laughs> That's right. Trying to make me look like I was bodyguarding. A piece of shit that's also an FBI uh, help row. Not going to do the names. It's not because I don't want to do it. Do you mean this D? Is, do you mean DD is an FBI informant? Oh, oh yeah. Really? Yeah, so he's a yeah. He got busted. Wow. Uh, three of the people are because they got busted. Uh, I'll just without saying their names. I'll tell you with DD. He got busted for interstate gambling wow. on the computer before it was legal. And then you get uh, RS, who was busted in Hungary. <laughs> and he got out killed, really though. quickly, but he had to see the legal attache, which in every embassy is FBI. Oh and my. the third person uh, who organized that rally was busted in New York with Occupy Wall Street. This is facts that I know, but everybody thinks they know something. I actually do know things, but that's just me and you talking and everybody in your audience. So, you know what? Keep your tribe close. Know who they are. Never trust anybody outside of it. And don't worry if people come tell the truth. If you didn't do anything wrong, tell the fucking truth. 
because honestly, that is how you will be safe. And that's all I have to say on that. Amazing. And um, Star, how do you feel about these comments we have been making here? Uh, on the trust issue. Go ahead. I'm 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 afraid I am so lax there. I I want to trust everyone, especially those who who are friendly to me and talk to me and then I find that I find posts or whatever that totally trash me and that totally breaks my heart. Um by the way, Richard Groper, please call in. You're making plenty of comments about me in the chat. I wish you would call in and say them to my face. Is he making baseless allegations? Is that what you're no, implying? No, here? just just snark. Richard says he trusts no, no boomer. <laughs> That's he what he says. Wait, he said he trusts boomers? He does not trust no boomer. Oh, 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 well, he's free to trust or not trust whoever he wants to, but I am learning who to trust and not trust. I just, I, I will always honor Richard for his service, and he knows that. He's a federal, uh, a federal. He, he, related, he related one experience on uh, Belgad once several years ago that just absolutely ripped my heart out. Um didn't rip his heart out, but it just made me feel so sad, and I PM'd him about it, and that was that. I was on, I it was, was, it was too, regarding the uh, when Art Bell when he was on duty uh, started at a, out. At a yep. gate. What was that? It was when he was on duty at a, a, a border gate or something like that, and the driver wouldn't stop, and they had to... Uh, uh, Take fatal measures. Anyway, it was awful because there were children involved. Is it and true that he's missing a leg, Star? I don't know if that was when that happened, but no, that's that's not what I'm talking about. It's something he had to do uh, as his duty, and that's all I'm going to say about it. I'm, I don't want to get into it unless he does. That's that's his story, not mine. Well, I wish we got the story, but he says he's not going to call in. He says okay. he calls well, no boomer. Well, fine. So I guess that's, we won't be hearing his story, but that's okay. Okay. Anyway, uh, Richard, I honor you as a veteran. I always will, no matter what. There you go. Right. Yes, I've heard the same about Mr. Richard uh, Griper out there, who allegedly is a veteran. And I heard he was living the pirate life, but I thought that might have been maybe fabricated. To some extent. What's the pirate like? Meaning he only has one leg and he has oh. a peg leg like a pirate. Okay, so? Pirates of the Caribbean, you know. You see a lot of veterans out there. There are. Pretty tasteless, what I just said, but yes. That come back missing limbs right. and worse. Allegedly. Thank God Thank you, President Trump got the veteran bill passed to where they can get treated when and where they need to be treated right now. Hold on, Star. I'm going to mute you right now. Uh, Kaiser, are you alive and present? Yes. I would not say he's allegedly. Hello? I, I, any veteran that says they uh, have something, um, you know, it, it cuts close to home. He served somewhere and, um, you know, to... Anyways, I, I don't want to 
shit on anybody, and I'm not trying to do it to you, but no, of course uh, not. But if I'm... he's missing a leg, uh, the pirate life that's you know that that's just something that uh, I don't know. That's he's quite a honorable. Veteran, and unless he's found to not be, but I haven't seen anything different. And I was on Bell Gab too, and uh, I've always used the same call sign handle. Um, you guys can go research me for years, and even overseas, I made posts. Right, and, I know that uh, about you. Yes, that it's the truth. And uh, you know, if if somebody's saying something, unless they're being totally fraudulent, I would not shit on them, and I wouldn't say anything like that. Um, like I said, you know, I saw somebody say, "Yeah, former Fed Michael, you know." Out of anybody, I am a former Fed. Right. I left the government out of disgust. Oh, I know. And yeah. so, th- so they can say all they want, or I wouldn't have been in Charlottesville. And I was bodyguarding a podcaster, and I'll tell you not who it is, but it was from TDS. TDS. Right. The Daily Showa, and uh, that's how I met these people, and I saw how the setup happened. And I'm also going to be honest on another level. I'll tell you, I bodyguarded in Democracy International. You already know this, but your your fans don't. They don't know this. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I bodyguarded the mayor of Charlottesville in 2010. And you know who it was? Mike Siner. Right. And I know where the, I had, I was asked to research things to find out what the problem was. Guess what? It was not the alt-right at that time. They wanted to know what the alt-right was about. I know what it is about, but I also know it was totally co-opted at that time in 2017. Before then, about 2015, 2016, I told everybody, jump out. The smart ones did. And I said, you're about to be co-opted. And that's all I'll say on that. And But you, you heard this way before this show. All right, brother? Yeah, you told me a lot of things way before this program here specifically, and you also told me many uh, interesting and fascinating things about 9-11. Yes, I did, but I don't but want that's to another story. I was going to say, but that's another story. Yes. Yeah. I respect you. Don't worry. And, of course, I have to ask you, though, since we are on the subject of Iraq or we were at one time, I have to say, my friend, I've never been one that supported the Iraq war. I was never behind any of what George Bush Jr. Uh, allegedly thought would would be something positive for this country. I've never been a supporter of the Iraq war. I always thought that was the wrong thing to do at the time. What are your thoughts about that, my friend? Hindsight 2020. Was that the right thing to do at the time? Hindsight being 2020. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, Afghanistan was my first incarnation into it. Um, when he went in there, I went in there and uh, January of 2005, and I was still a true believer. Yes. So sir. all you guys who you know want to say boomer mindset, yes, I had that. That's fine. Here's the problem: I saw progress happen, different things happening, but I also saw the problems of how they failed that state. And we're not getting into anything other than. My observance, right? And people can doubt me and say whatever. I I really don't give a fuck. But you know this, yeah. Um, here's the point: is that I saw it with my own two eyes, and it was um the media was all against it. 
at that time. And then I saw his actions. I voted for him twice. I remember how the votes went. Uh, 2004, I voted for him. 2005, I was there. He was not that bad in 2004, except for things I learned later. Uh, 2005, I'm seeing it with my real eyes, and I started to wake up. If you guys want to call me something, tell me a late bloomer. Yeah, I was a late bloomer. I realized I thought my service meant something, and that's why, well, you know what I do for a living now. I, I haven't worked for the U.S. government for a long time. I will never work against U.S., but I also have not worked directly for the U.S., and I've worked for a lot of different agencies. And But, you know, none of these people will ever know this. But I've always been honest with you in our talks. Right. And I think Star, too. I think Star can attest to this. That I've, I, do. I, I don't lie. I'm not going to. I lied why I worked for the government. And the lies went away. And I am a whistleblower. But guess what? I did it in a discreet way. And I wasn't trying to make myself really known and I'm not going to, but I've put out a lot of truth and well, you guys don't believe me. I don't care, but the facts remain. There's a lot of facts out there that are truth. And that's all I'll say on that. For sure. And as we wrap things up here very soon, we only have about 10 minutes left. I did want to ask you Kaiser um, in terms of the way this country is moving and society is moving as well. Things are changing rapidly. We're seeing all sorts of different movements come about and take over the hearts and minds of the innocent out there, the impressionable, the gullible, and those who are completely, I guess we could, we could classify these people as, as being completely, completely oblivious to lots of things that go on in our day to day sort of situation we have here in America. Where do you think all this is headed towards, especially with all these things going on in the whole government and political spectrum, uh, Kaiser? What's your thoughts and opinions on where all this is headed? Well, I'll tell you this, brother. Uh, I don't see anything good if we remain divided. Somebody asked me what my guy's handle on was on Belgab. It was uh, Asuka Langley. And right. I've seen you before, brother. And our girl, I don't know really. We don't know. We we really don't know Uh, what it is, by the way. (laughs) But but it was Sword Point Nine. I maintain it was my call sign entirely in the military. There's Sword Points and Spear Points. My number is nine. If you really want to know what the fuck I did, you could actually research it. It's classified, but you might get something to break through on Sword Points and Spear Points. But the point being is that I. I pushed a lot of things out there that a lot of you now know. And here's the problem that I see right now. And I will say this to the, to my end of days, I will say this, that this is being driven by somebody else that you guys think, you know, but it's not just one person. It's a multitude of people. And once I discovered that, yeah, okay. Well, did they do 9-11? I don't know. This is from Asuka Langley. Did they do that? I don't know. Why don't you look up the uh, people that were occupying a, cer- a certain tower, you know, in the World Trade Center, and they were art students. 
Might be jelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody else. Right. So there you go. Echo meme locator. And that's all I have to say, brother. You know, I've tried to be as open and honest with a lot of different vectors. For sure. I get this word out. But I do not want to take away from this time with stars because Star Mountain is an epic lady that needs to be heard. And I did not mean to hijack this. I am so sorry, Star. Oh, Star Mountain. Point, no. And I mean I'm that, so honey. Dumb. What you what you had to say was so much more interesting. Trust me. Amazing. Well, Kaiser, I do want to thank you for being a part of the program and sharing all those things. Of course, we'll have to do this again in the near future, my friend. I have no qualms about that, and I want you on my channel too. So we'll we'll work it out. All right. For much sure. love. Be well. Be blessed, everybody in chat. You guys know who I am, and. Uh, you can find me. I, I'm I'm the most open whistleblower you ever met. All right. God bless. Take care. And there Good he night. goes. Yes. There he goes away into the void of darkness out there and wherever he's at. And uh, Star, any parting words before I cut you loose here on this romantic evening? Well, yeah, something I was going to mention earlier on, but I... I'm so happy Swordpoint called in because that was just absolutely heart-touching. Anyway, uh, I just want to say, uh, at one point in the Gabcast, uh, MV invites me to call in to the next show, whenever that's going to be. He claims to have gotten an email from someone who said that I said that MV left his wife. And I never said such a thing. I never even knew such a thing. Uh, that all came up on the ASGAB forum thingy. So, no, I did not start that. I didn't even know about it until I saw it in texting. I probably asked about it, but no, I didn't. Anyway, um, as far as calling in to talk to MV, I would like to do that to resolve issues. I do not hate MV. I, he's someone I've known for going on 12 years. And the conflict that arose, I don't know where that came from. Well, I have a guess, but I'm not going to say that. But I've, Why not? I've always just, I've always loved MV. And I've said that before and I've said it again. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the program as well, Star. And again, any parting words? Do you want to say bye to the audience? Do you want to say goodnight to them? Oh, <clears throat> sorry. Yeah, this chat room is so awesome. I love you guys. Yeah, you too, Richard, you little squirt. <laughs> I anyway, uh, I try to get in every week. Some days I can, some days, well, like I said, sucks getting old, but it is what it is. Anyway, love you all, and I hope you all have a great day tomorrow and a great life ahead. I say. Well, thank you so much, and we'll do this again on the other side. Mahalo. And there she goes. Star Mountain, thank you so much for being a part of the program as well. And also, I want to thank all of you truly for being a part of the program. It's been a pretty damn good evening. And as we take it home here tonight and pull this Larry Silverstein style, thank you so much. Those in the chat room, those who will listen to this tomorrow night, hello from the future. Remember, you can get a hold of me during the show via Twitter, 
or in the chat room at Michael Deacon. Send me a message there and maybe I might respond to you. Don't forget if you're a fan of the program and want to help fund the program, that would be nice. You can go to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon or just go to michaeldeacon.com and click the donate button. Any amount is cool. And of course, when you do donate to PayPal, you will also receive the bonus content. I promise I'll get your email and send you the file myself. That's patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. Trust me, it's pretty goddamn entertaining. Unless you're a square, of course. I mean, I would understand if you're a bit of a square, you don't like that sort of thing. You don't want to pay for the content. I get it. You want everything for free. Very hypocritical stance you take. You know who you are. What a fun show it was. International listeners, thank you so much for your support. Top talent show yet again. It's been that way the last couple weeks here. It's been nonstop top talent and, of course... What does the future have in store for us? Is this all just merely a figment of our imagination? A simulation? Do we in fact have a cosmic neighbor out there somewhere? Who are they? And where are they? Those are things the mind ponders. And of course, there's nothing more frightening than reality. I'm Michael Deacon. I hope you enjoyed my act of defiance, arrogance, and intransigence. Stay safe, everyone, no matter where you are on this pale blue uh, dot we call Earth. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody.